I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings of economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello and welcome to the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is your host and CEO, Chuck Sexton. Today, we have a guest with us um, who has become a mentor of mine, led a lot of folks uh, in mentorship roles through his career and and the things that he has done. And I wanted to bring him on. We sort of started last week uh, with a bit of a theme, and that was about career pathways and success in economic development. And I thought this week it would be great to introduce you to someone who's become a good friend of mine, someone who I have seen lead um, both on a local level and state level and regional level. And it's always good to bring folks like this on for our listeners to get a, a chance to learn and, and see how these people have affected economic development and job creation where they live. Uh, the person we have here today with us began their career in the private sector and very successfully in the private sector and then went into local politics, a county judge executive. For those of you who don't have county judge executives where you are, County judge executives in this state in particular hold a lot of political power. They, they run a lot of things uh, for the counties. And so it's like an elected position similar to a mayor in a city. Then got into state politics, uh, was appointed to some different roles, and then eventually Secretary of Economic Development. And prior, or just after his stint as Secretary of Economic Development, became the first two-time governor in the history of the state of Kentucky. Today, we have Governor Paul Patton with us. And now, Governor Patton is, serves in education as the Chancellor of the University of Pikeville. Thanks for being with us today, Paul. Thanks, Chuck. Look forward to it. Well, look, you know, I, I appreciate all that you have done and all the advice you've given to me and the things I've seen you do in your career. And I wanted you, if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about your, your past. Give, add some color to the things that I just said about what you did with your career path uh, and how that impacted economic development around you. Well, you open up a big topic there, but keep in mind that I'm uh, in extreme eastern Kentucky. I'm in central Appalachia. Would you hear about the, the poverty in uh, eastern Kentucky and in West Virginia and western Virginia? Uh, I'm right in the center of it. And so I have seen the, uh, the, a lot of capable people that didn't realize their potential because they weren't adequately educated. And that's our basic, basic problem. And so I've tried to work in education all that I can. But I started with the coal business. I was 20 years and did very well. And, and uh, a long story that I won't go into, but I ended up as the secretary 
of the uh, Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development. And uh, I learned a lot in that job. And, and I guess uh, the biggest thing I learned is you, you have to sell yourself. People aren't just going to walk in and say, hey, I want to create 500 jobs here in Python. Uh, you have to get out there, but you have to have something to sell, though. You know, you, you, there are certain things you have to do. While I was secretary, I would go around the state of Kentucky and talk to Rotary Clubs and different chambers of commerce, and, and I'd say, look, you've got to make yourself available. Uh, you have to have certain things for uh, uh, economic development. And back then, we were concentrating mostly on manufacturing. So you have to have a business part. As I say, businesses want to be a good neighbor, and therefore they don't want to be a neighbor. They want to be in a dedicated area where they can bring in their trucks and all the other stuff they do and not disturb other people. And so I would talk about these local communities, what they need to do to be ready uh, for us to be able to sell them. And, and I'd say, you know, and keep in mind that in economic development, there's going to be a lot of different people will look at your community and then decide to go someplace else. I said, you have to kiss a lot of frogs uh, to catch a prince. Well, over time, people started to send me little frogs and I've got about 12 of them here in my office today. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a skill. You have to get out and market yourself. And, and Chuck, I think you've done a, a great job here in Eastern Kentucky in what is obviously a very difficult uh, place to bring in jobs. We've brought in some and, uh, uh, and we need more. We've lost our coal industry. It's pretty well gone. You know, in the last 12 years, we've lost about 80% of our coal jobs. And they were the jobs that really brought the new money into the community. So uh, uh, that's just- Well, that's something we've talked about a lot. And in, in economic development, you know, you talk about the fact that uh, if someone is going to sell a hamburger, they'll put up a hamburger stand, but they've got to have someone to sell that too. And it has to be someone who has a good paying primary job. And that's what our focus was here and what we're trying to teach others about their focus being. And, and look, economic development means something different to each community, but those communities who have lost their GDP in their region and they've lost economic opportunities, they have to be focused on attracting new investment into the region and have a plan and a strategy and the marketing to be able to do that. One thing I wish, of course, this is a podcast, so people can't see anything, but I wish folks could see your office because you talked about the frogs and everybody started sending you frogs. You, the governor's office uh, at the University of Pikeville is a recreation of his gubernatorial office and all those frogs are lined up all over the place. It's one of my favorite places to go and visit him is there in his office. So you know, you, you talked about product there, and, and it's funny because we talked about this last week with Brad Hall, and I talked about it at the Georgia Economic Development Conference where I, or luncheon when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and product is becoming harder to find, but you did some things when you were uh, as secretary and as governor to help push product development to get more industrial parks going. Can you talk a little bit about your plan and your strategy to get counties working together on these industrial parks? That's a long story, Chuck, but I want to say one thing before I get into that. Uh, when I talk to people, I say, look, 95% of you, of what you buy, what you spend money for, comes from someplace else. And you've got to create something in your area and send to someplace else 
to get that money coming in. Uh, I don't care if you're in New York or well, maybe not New York, but, but in practically every community you can think about, you import your food, you import your, import your clothes, you import your car, you import your lumber, you, 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 you just about import almost. And so you got to spend something. You got to build something, bake something, whether it's product or whether it's intellectual work or whatever that you sell to somebody else. And uh, that's what you got to what you got to work on. And as you say, if we've got enough money to buy a hamburger, somebody will put in a hamburger stand. And I have people come and say to you, I create jobs. Why can't I get these kind of tax breaks? And I, that's the reason you're you're selling something we got to have. But uh, we've got to have dry cleaners and we got to have movie theaters and we got to have a lot of stuff. My research as Secretary of the Economic Development said that in Kentucky, about one third of our jobs were what I call original jobs, jobs that bring in new money. About two thirds of our jobs are in doctor's offices and bowling alleys, movie theaters, and all this other stuff. So uh, we, uh, when I was uh, Secretary, we developed a system of partnering with these particular unique businesses that bring in new money to Kentucky. And we shared tax breaks with them because for every one job they create that we give you a tax break on, there are two other jobs out here that you're gonna create through in retail that are gonna pay their full tax load. So uh, uh, we did do a lot of the innovative things in Kentucky while I was governor, while I was uh, Secretary of Economic Development. And Kentucky made some progress, but the biggest thing we did was improve education. In, in this world, the United States has got to do the mental work of the world. We, there's people all over the world that are willing to work longer and harder for a lower pay of living uh, than we are willing to accept. And so we've got to do, we've got to do the brain work for those people. Yeah, you know, you said earlier, uh, and this was interesting to me, because we have a lot of elected officials who listen to this program as well, city officials, county officials, and some state officials who like to tune into the podcast. And one of the things that I know a lot of them struggle with answering was what you stated earlier about incentives. Why do we give incentives to outside companies uh, and not to this person here who wants to open a small business like it, we'll just use a hamburger stand again as an example. And that's a great answer. And it's something that's advice that I think some people need and, and you need to understand because you never want to tell somebody no, but at the end of the day, your tax breaks and your incentives are meant to grow your economy through those outside jobs that don't have to be exactly where you are. You're competing for that investment and those jobs to be within your community. The additional jobs, the service type jobs will come as a result of having a robust economy, a middle economy that's fueling additional growth in jobs. So I appreciate the fact that you mentioned that. And, you know, and you're right. That is a real, the general public doesn't understand that. And uh, they are frustrated that, uh, you know, I create jobs and you give this company $200,000 or in tax breaks or more cash or whatever. And uh, so it's very important that leaders understand it so they can explain it to people that, uh, and, and, and let me tell you, the, the competition for uh, these kinds of what I call original jobs is very keen. And uh, the people that, that don't have a professional like Chuck 
uh, going out and finding out what job fits your community. You know, every, it's not one out of a hundred corporations that would really fit in our community, but uh, there's a uh, hundred thousand corporations that we can go to. And you've got to have a professional that knows what you have, what this corporation needs, and how he can explain it to that corporation and bring them, get them interested in your community. Well, that's right. And you've got to drive that product development side. You know, we, we touched on it earlier a little bit. And one of the things that I was impressed by was some of the work you did across the state as governor to get counties to do multi-county industrial parks. And, you know, that is something that I know a, a lot of our clients sometimes can struggle with is city lines and county lines. And, you know, everybody kind of has their own kingdom. But, you know, we, we want to talk about how everyone has an opportunity to work together. It's not always perfect, but if you can pool resources in small to mid-sized cities, which is who we try to help the most, are small to mid-sized rural communities. And if they have the options to work together and pool their resources, then they are all the better for it. Wouldn't you say that's the case and kind of what you did in Eastern Kentucky? Absolutely. And the point you make there is that, uh, uh, I just think that these rural communities uh, are a real good place for a company that let's say they want to start with 50 manufacturing jobs. If they come into our community, well, let me put it in, if they go to Louisville, 50 jobs don't mean much in Louisville. You're not much of a player. But when you come to Pikeville, 50 jobs is big. You're going to be you're going to be able to get the attention of anybody you need to get attention. If it's the biker, if it's the county executive, it's, if it's you want to make sure you got good fire protection, whatever you want, you're going to be a loud voice in a small community. And I think people make a lot of mistakes not looking at the rural counties and towns, four or 5,000 people in Kentucky and a lot of other rural states too. I, I've lived in rural Kentucky all my life. And uh, uh, they're just great people. And I can get 95% of everything I need right here in Pikeville. Uh, and I don't have to, it, it, it's about five. We don't have rush hours. Rush hours here, Chuck, we have rush minutes, you know. <laughs> clock, uh, yeah. About five well, minutes, there's little traffic. But I get, to, I get to everywhere I need to be here in Pikeville in about five or ten minutes. That's right. And, and, and as a site location firm, Next Move Group, one of the, I said this just the other day to someone, we're starting to see companies exactly what you're saying. They're looking outside of the metro areas now, and they're looking for opportunities within more rural, small to mid-sized communities. There's a couple of things that have driven that. One was COVID. One of them's risk. And companies and corporations are always trying to reduce and get away from as much risk as possible. And so during COVID, they saw there was a lot of risk with them and their workforce and shutdowns and things like that. But the, the other piece of that has been this workforce risk that they see. And we've had companies tell us directly, we have a couple of site location clients right now we're, we're doing site searches for, and both of them have stated they wanna be in a small to mid-sized community or region where they know they're going to get a strong workforce, ethical workforce, and a workforce that's going to stick with them for the long term, that they're not 
trading back and forth across the street for another dollar on the hour. So I think the opportunity now is for these small to mid-sized communities, but they have to be prepared and ready to grasp that opportunity. So again, product development, the things you said earlier about marketing appropriately, knowing what your labor looks like within your community, uh, knowing what types of industries you can go after from a cluster analysis standpoint, and being able to formulate a marketing pitch so that you can go out and meet with these companies. Actually, one of our big podcast sponsors is a company that helps economic developers find those very specific targeted industries to go out and talk to. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most It works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. What would you say was probably the biggest surprise uh being governor and working in economic development what was one and maybe it's not a big surprise but what was one of what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment uh in that era and in that vein when you worked whether whether it was economic development secretary or governor what was the biggest win for you well as as governor uh i've led the state to make uh dramatic changes in the quality of higher education and the availability of higher education Uh, post what I call post-secondary education. And that included not just our colleges and our community colleges, but included our vocational schools that are, you know, as I told the, some some people try to think that vocational schools are a sort of a put down. Well, look, we have a medical school here in Pikeville and that's a vocational school. We have an optometry college here in Pikeville and that's a uh, vocational school. In today's world, Practically all education is 90% vocational. And uh, so that's what I did as, uh, as governor, uh, but I was also very active in uh, our economic development effort. I, I've been to Japan 11 times. I've been to Korea two or three times. I've been to Europe several times. Uh, and that's what uh, the governor has to do. And of course, I had to sell the state. So I had to be neutral as to communities. But uh, communities need to sell themselves. Uh, the state, uh, Chuck, I guess that uh, economic development has changed a whole lot since, since I was there. That was about 30 years ago when I was Secretary of Economic Development. It was in '892, uh, So yeah, that's 30 years ago. Uh, uh, and back then, most of these companies would come to the, the state 
because they're wanting to do something confidentially. And uh, this was before the internet and all that stuff. As I understand now, and you know much better than I do, now they can go to the, to the web and they can look over the qualifications of a lot of different companies. And they might be able to find, reduce their list down to a uh, fewer people by the communities. But eventually they're gonna to wanna to come to the community and see the community and get acquainted with the leaders. You know, when a company comes to Kentucky and the governor comes in and takes the credit for getting them to come, they're stuck with the local people. They've, they've got to deal with the local schools. They've got to deal with the local police protection. They've got to have local fire protection. They've got local amenities for their employees. So these companies need to take a good look at this, at these small communities where they can get all of this stuff that they need and they can get a whole lot more loyalty from their employees and from the community than they're going to get uh, in, in, in a big town. Now I'm talking about the smaller companies, the 50 to 100. Now, if you've got a thousand jobs, you're going to get a lot of attention in Louisville. But if you've got 50 jobs, you're not going to get much attention in Louisville. Well, even some of these, uh, you know, what we would call larger projects, uh, up two, three, four, and even 500 jobs are still looking at more rural communities uh, right now that we've seen. And the other thing you hit on there was the fact that technology, as well as COVID, has uh, sort of changed the site selection process to make it more virtual, more online. There's more Zoom meetings occurring. And yes, companies certainly do eliminate based on what they find online many times uh, far sooner. So communities have to have a great online marketing presence uh, so that they can stay in the game longer. Because the longer you're in the game, the higher your percentage is of landing those deals and getting those into your town and getting those jobs. Now, you know, the other thing that, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about was sort of your your work with some of the larger OEMs, because when you were secretary and governor, those the OEMs were still fairly active. You don't see as many large automotive projects happening today, although there are a few occurring because of this changeover in the electric vehicle market now. But uh, there were things that you did that helped prepare for wins in the future. Can you talk a little bit about the Hyundai project and then how that translated to the big deal that Kentucky won this year with the Ford project and that $5 billion investment. Well, you're right. Uh, you do have to have what I call business parks for not just that manufacturing, but for other kinds of business. And uh, when, uh, when Kentucky is a major automotive uh, manufacturer, we have three assembly plants in Kentucky, two for Ford and, and Toyota's biggest in the world plant is it is in Kentucky and they have uh, I don't know when I was here there were probably a, when I was governor there was probably 100 120 supplier plants for those uh, 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 assembly plants in Kentucky and uh, uh, so I would have to to go out and, and talk to communities about that and when we we got a, a real opportunity to get a Hyundai plant back here during the latter part of my governorship. And uh, it, they were wanting a thousand, 2,000 acres so they'd have plenty of room to expand. And we found attractive property in Kentucky that was right on I-75, that was right next to, on the, other, on the west side of the property was the main line of the CNO Railroad. There was an interchange there. It was within about 60 miles of Louisville. Uh, and so we bought that piece of property off of several property owners, and then we presented it to uh, Hyundai. Now, Hyundai went to Alabama, 
we were second, but you know, coming in second in economic development, it's about like coming in second in horseshoes. So uh, I uh, set that thing up so it was going to be hard to sell because you don't have, we got to find a lot of small sites. But what I didn't want the state to do after I left was to divide it up into smaller plots, which would make it easier to get to, to utilize. But, but I knew there was going to be another big project come along eventually. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Executive Search Spotlight. And today we're going to highlight a new search we are launching in Putnam County, Florida. So we are searching, this is a Chamber of Commerce, and we are looking for a Vice President of Economic Development. For those of you all who do not know where Putnam County, Florida is, it is located about uh, in between Jacksonville and Orlando, only about 45 minutes from Gainesville, 30 minutes from St. Augustine's beaches, and right in between Jacksonville and Orlando, a beautiful area of the country. Not only that, it is a five-star accredited chamber of commerce, only one of seven in the entire state of Florida. So it's a great organization, a great opportunity for an economic developer to work with the chamber there. If you know of anybody who may be interested, please have them visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Putnam. As far as compensation, we're looking around sixty-five dollars to $80,000, but there's also incentives and bonus compensation available. So a great opportunity. For more information, visit that website. Well, 30 years later, 25 years later, uh, it did. It was a Ford Motor Company and a partnership with uh, what a Korean S S manufacturer. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at this part of the world and they looked at that property. And now uh, that was a $5 billion project, right, Sean? Yep, that's right. Largest economic development project by far in the state of Kentucky's history. And it's going to make, and, and, and you know, last week the governor announced another battery plant uh, in uh, Bowling Green. Yeah, that's right. $2 billion and uh, 2,000 jobs in Bowling, going to Bowling Green. Yeah, and Kentucky is going to be the, the, the place for that technology of these lithium batteries or these automotive batteries that, that uh, uh, and, and you know, it, it sort of breeds itself. You breed that expertise and then other people want to come in and take uh, take uh, advantage of it. So, well, there's another multi-billion dollar uh, battery project out there right now. I don't know if it will be more related to automotive. Uh, I think it's actually related to residential use. Uh, and then, of course, the Ford also announced a facility in Tennessee. And uh, there's a lot of communities that are currently what I would consider sort of halfway in between those two plants that's, you know, south of Elizabethtown, south of Louisville, and then uh, just outside of Memphis. And so there's some opportunities to be had because like you said, when, when these OEMs come in, suppliers backfill in between those two places. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for small to mid-sized cities, those rural communities that stretch between where those plants are going to be. And so certainly we actually have a few clients that have uh, jumped on board with us to start getting themselves ready to try to market their communities and try to get things ready for uh, the swath of of new suppliers that are going to have to backfill between those two OEMs. So, but and what I want to have local officials to be aware of is be patient. Right here in Pikeville, I, I put together a real small, we're a mountainous area, as you know, and we don't have much 
land that a factory would want to build on. But I managed to put together about uh, 40 or 40 acres or so, which to us is a lot of land and uh, for, for this kind of stuff. Well, when I left, it stayed vacant for a long time and the people got impatient and the local people wanted to show progress. Now, every business in that park is a retail business that had to be here someplace. So be patient and don't, 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 don't give in to uh, giving give away your best property for a retail purpose. Because if you need retail, somebody will put it there one way or the other. You're 100% right. I mean, that is absolutely the number one thing that local officials and economic developers alike have to realize is you've got to be patient. You all, the state of Kentucky was patient for 25 years with that property there in the middle of the state right by I-75. And, and what we see a lot of times in communities all across uh, the Southeast and Midwest is that, well, we had an idea for that property and it just didn't work out. And after five years, we decided to put a school there instead. And, and look, education, like we've talked about is important, but at the end of the day, if you're going to have progress long-term, uh, understand that you're going to have to be patient with the investments you make in industrial sites and potentially industrial buildings, and especially in small to mid-sized markets so that you can be successful long term because just like anything else the market ebbs and flows the economy does as well and when you're up it's great when you're down everybody gets impatient so again that's probably one of the greatest lessons that uh that governor here has talked about today is to be patient and you saw that chuck when you were here working with us uh, while i was governor i built about nine uh, regional industrial parks in the coal fields because we couldn't put one in every county and uh when I left office, they started getting impatient. And so in one of our uh, industrial parks, right at the beginning of it, they've got a dialysis clinic. Now, how many people want their trucks going in and out by a dialysis clinic with people in their cars and getting out, walking on walkers to get into the facility? <laughs> and another one of them, the local people wanted to build a school. And they were really pushing pressure on the, the people to use the part of that industrial park for the school. Well, we managed to get that stopped. You remember that because who wants to have a school with kids running around on, on the same road where you've got big trucks going in and out hauling heavy freight. So you just got to be patient. Be patient and beat smart. Make good decisions with what you've got in front of you. Well, look, um, you and I could sit here probably for an hour and talk about economic development and job creation <laughs> And, um, you know, I certainly appreciate all the advice you've given me. There's a lifetime worth of advice that I've gotten from you over the last seven years. And I'm sure hope, hope that that will continue uh, as I go into this new role here with Next Move Group. I'm hit the ground running. Obviously, some of the listeners out there have seen me already. Uh, mo more of you are going to see us going forward. We've got the Kentucky Association for Economic Development this week. When the podcast drops on Thursday, uh, my, myself and Ivy, our COO, we will be uh, giving some uh, remarks there at the Kentucky Association for Economic Development. But we're going to keep moving constantly. And uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. I want to give you the last word. Is there a last piece of advice or wisdom you want to throw out there as we, we close the show? Well, I just want to say that we really appreciated working with you. You're a true professional. We hated to lose you, but we recognize the professional opportunities you had to take advantage of. And uh, don't forget us. Just remember, we still live in somewhere along your line. You're going to find the right 
business for our community and uh, keep us in mind. Okay. Now, folks, y'all listen to that. What did he just do? He is continuing to sell his region and community no matter what, and he always will. So I appreciate appreciate your kind words, Governor, and uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Listeners out there, check back next week. We'll have a new guest, and we'll see you then.